Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. I hope you're having a great day. You're listening to or watching the Service Business Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Tersh Blissett. Today, we have Daniel Putnam with, uh, well, I can't just say with one company. She's with a lot of things. And uh, 40 under 40, um, the new flat rate. Is, uh, what, are you president? Um, Correct. President uh, of the new flat rate. Pleasant, president of new flat rate. Uh, women in HVACR. We're going to talk about, well, you know how our podcasts go. We're going to dive in some rabbit holes. but um, And it's great because every time I have a conversation with Danielle, uh, it's it can go anywhere because uh, <laughs> she's like myself and has lots of interests in lots of different things. But when, one of the things that I'm super excited to talk about is uh, the women in HVACR and bringing more women into the trade. Uh, as you know, if you listen to the show, uh, we've had <clears throat> other people on that talk a little bit about it, but we haven't we haven't had a female come on the show and actually talk about it, uh, especially from her perspective. And I think that's re- I think that's really cool because um, Danielle also has a huge history of like her family being in the trades, and then uh, not just with the new flat rate, but having the HVAC company, and, and it's just. I don't know. I, I, I'm a fanboy for sure. But with that being said, uh, Danielle, would you mind uh, introducing yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about, about you and your background? Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for that introduction, Tersh. I'm really glad to be here. Uh, my name again was Danielle Putnam, and I grew up in the trades. My dad was a contractor, so I'm a product of the trades, really. When I was seven years old, you know, it was a summer with no air conditioner in my family, my parent, my mom, I guess, her station wagon. There was no air conditioner. It didn't work. And we're in Georgia. So it was very, very hot. But my mom had said to my dad, hey, if you start your own service business, the kids and I will help you. So at seven years old, we spent that summer passing out flyers door to door saying, hey, my dad just started his own. You know, at that time, it was electrical, an electrical service business. And here's a flyer. So that's, you know, kind of my first introduction, but I loved growing up with my dad being a contractor. He later had an HVAC and plumbing company as well. So I was always working. One of the value added benefits of, you know, contracting that I love is it's so family focused. There's always the owner's kids running around Mm -hmm. the shop. So whether we're helping with inventory, we're organizing things in the back, we're answering the phone up front, we're, you know, drawing on the marker board you're always around. And I love that because when I went off to college later in life, I was the only one of my friends that ever had, well, that had any work experience at all because (laughs) I'd grown up working in an office, running parts, doing different things and had a a much more uh, burst education at that time. Um, So I, I guess I just grew up in the trades in high school. I was homeschooled because I didn't like sitting in school for eight hours a day who had time for that. I I felt like I didn't. And I, I wanted to make some money so I could buy a car so I chose to work at my dad's business. I was his dispatcher through high school. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. I wanted money. Yeah. So how did you get into um, the new flat rate? And then how did you transition over or, or how are you involved with uh, the women in HVACR? Great question. You know, after high school, I went off to Bible school for four years out in Texas. And then I finished college online. I moved out west. I worked for an HVAC company in Oregon, uh, doing marketing for a while. And then I went down and worked and helped start up a tech company in California in Orange County. I was out there for five and a half years and we went public in 2007. So I was able to pitch to a bunch of stockbrokers. One of the greatest moments from that time was I was on the trading floor of the New York City Stock Exchange one day. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm like Matthew McConaughey in a cool movie. I've really made it. You know, I, I remember thinking, this is so awesome. 
but my dad and I were, were best friends and he was a contractor and we talked all the time and he had great ideas and he'd always call me and I'd say, dad, you know, you need to do something with your ideas. You need to do something. And he'd say, well, I can't, I need your help. Well, at this time, the company I was working for out in California was going through a large merger. We were being bought out and I was in my, gosh, I guess mid to late twenties. And at the time, career-wise, I felt, you know, I really have made it. This is great for me. You know, this is going to be really successful. And so I wanted to move forward with the merger. But so many of us in the trades, you know, again, family business is, mm-hmm. is you know, um, really prevalent. When your dad calls and needs your help, what do you do? You know, yep. I knew I would regret it if I didn't work with him during that season. And if I failed, so what? Because failure wasn't um, the, the risk wasn't too high at the moment because I wasn't married yet and I didn't have children. If I would have had children and been married and settled in California. That would have been different. So I felt like I could afford the risk in that season of life and I, I could bounce back if it didn't work. So I flew back to Georgia, left my car and everything out in California. Wow. And we, uh, in, in my dad's garage, well, he told me, Tersh, I'll have to tell you this. He says, Hey, if you come help me, you can have 50%. <laughs> Awesome. 50% of nothing is great, right? (laughs) Right. And he says, you know, I'll pay you $75,000. I thought, well, there's no money in the business because it hasn't been started. So I know that you can't pay me $75,000 because it's not there and you're not going to mortgage your house for it. So, uh, you know, as a daughter, you know that you're going to do those things for no money anyway. Uh, So I, that year I, I I, uh, came back to Georgia and in my dad's garage, we spent 12 hours a day, seven days a week. I blew through all my savings, all my credit cards, maxed them all out. And we started building the new flat rate. That was in 2011, but he'd given me 50%. So I gave myself the title. I was the president from day one and we were going to build this company. Tersh, by the end of that year, beginning of 2012, I know I might be talking a little too fast. No, you're good. Okay. At 2012, uh, we actually had a viable product that we'd been tested in the marketplace. We'd beta tested in eight states and we had customers. We were making um, some revenue, some income was coming in and we were learning and course correcting along the way. So in 2012, I was able to pay myself back all the savings and all the credit card debt. And uh, then we were able to kind of start taking a salary and move forward and be a real business. Hey, that's a pretty quick ROI there. I mean, pretty yes. much one year. That's, that's like, that's really good. I, kudos to y'all for continuing on, you know, even, even whenever it was, the times were tough. And I'm sure that there were some times whenever you're like, is this really worth this? You know? Yeah. And well, peers, you know, peers are always going to say, yeah, that's a stupid idea. What are you doing? And they didn't understand. They didn't understand what's the company because if you're not in contracting, mm-hmm you know, the new flat rate, what you do, what, you know, they didn't understand, well, it's pricing for contractors. And so trying to get your friends to understand and support you, you really just have to say, Hey, I'm going to do this anyway. Please still be my friend and love me. Especially you like going from what you considered you've reached success out in California to coming back and spending the money that you've saved and all this stuff. I can imagine having the conversation with your friends and I mean, I have had the conversation with friends. You're starting another business, like mm-hmm. finally made it where you're at. Like, why are you going to, you're going to bootstrap something else? Like that doesn't make any sense. Why are you going to stress yourself out again? Uh, yeah, totally. I've, I've had that conversation myself. Well, uh, and that's the heart of the entrepreneur too. What do you say yeah, back to them? <laughs> right. Exactly. Like if you knew, you know, I mean, if you, if you yeah. felt that feeling, you'd, you'd, you'd understand completely. And whenever you talk to someone like, like you and I have a conversation, then it's like, you don't have to explain it. I get it. Mm-hmm. 
totally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so how did you get into um, the women of HVACR? And then what is your kind of role there with, with that organization? In 2011, when we were still starting New Flat Rate, we went to a comfort tech trade show. And I remember walking through and seeing a room full of women with a sign that said women in HVACR. And I thought, well, I'm a woman in HVACR. Why didn't they invite me? Well, they didn't you know, know to invite me, yeah. uh, you know, and I didn't know them. And so the next year in 2012, I made it a point to find out who the organization was and to get invited to their conference. And they had their annual conference in conjunction with Comfort Tech at the time. So in 2012, I went to the meeting and there was probably 40, maybe 50 women there. It was still a small group and they didn't have their own standalone conferences. And so wherever Comfort Tech was every year, they would go and they would spend a day or half a day, you know, getting together, bringing in speakers and having like a mini conference in conjunction with. So in 2012, I attended and they passed out a survey afterwards said, you know, how would you like to be involved? And I was, I'd like to be on the board. I didn't really know much about it, but it sounded like a good idea. Yeah. And I will ever be thankful that they asked me to be on the board. So in 2013, I joined the board and, uh, you know, didn't know a lot of people in the industry. And I'm so thankful to women in HVACR. And I want to say this to any females that might be listening. Women in HVACR, my best friends from the industry are in that group. It's a very... Uh, non-clickish, tight-knit group of, of women who want to help and support each other and very diverse in, you know, manufacturing, distributing, contracting, technicians, installers, very diverse, but we're all there to help each other. So the relationships and connections that you can make, well, it's really grown as far as what it can offer you. So in 2013, being on the board, you know, we had our monthly board calls and it took me a while to kind of get up to speed. I later became the treasurer and, uh, you know, that was actually a lot of work. It was a lot of work in my, in my side time. I spent a lot of nights, you know, trying to figure out the books because we started to really grow. Um, I was involved in marketing with them and just really neat to watch, you know, as the board would grow and, and our audience grew. We had, gosh, I don't remember how many members at that time, but now today we have over 600 members in our annual conference. Last year, our live annual conference had 200 attendees. Last week, because of COVID-19, we had our annual conference virtually, oh. and it actually was very successful. We had 220 attendees. Wow. So we wow. have a, a very strong, if I can say this, a cult following, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and when we have regional events and things, our members are so supportive and always want to be there. But I, let's see, after treasurer, I became vice president, and then last year in 2019, I was the Women in HVACR president, and this year I'm currently the immediate past president. And in January, I roll off the board and it will be bittersweet. I've been involved with them for, you know, seven years, a, a long wow. time. And it's just been such a great journey. I owe them so much gratitude uh, for growth and relationships. Yeah, it's totally like you can tell like at the HR Expo, um, anybody who's uh, ever attended, I'm sure you've seen the women of HVAC or at least uh, you speak at all different things. You're, there's like whenever you go through the list of speakers, you'll see, you know, presented by women of HVACR, which is really awesome. That was mm -hmm. always cool. I try to check those out as much as possible. But the, the downside though H, uh, to AHR is there is so much of everything. So many. Yeah. You're trying to catch everything. And, you know, I've seen your dad speak and, and 
it's just, uh, you just go and go and go as fast as you can. Um, uh, but one of the things like this past year, um, we had, we met up with y'all after hours for y'all after your after hours event. And it was so awesome to see, because like you said, it was, it was, uh, ladies from the tech space, mm-hmm. uh, managers, service managers, uh, GMs, owners, technicians, right. and it was all, <laughs> and like you said, it wasn't clickish. It was, you were, you could just see the interaction with everybody mm-hmm. and, and everybody was there for, for the support of everyone. And I, I would just, I really thought that was amazing. And, and I, I, if you're a woman in the industry, I really think that it's, um, I mean, I believe that it's it's a no brainer for you to sign mm-hmm. up. Not only that, it is dirt stinking cheap to sign right? up. Like it doesn't <laughs> even make sense not to sign up for it. Yeah. Really, uh, ninety nine dollars a year. It's yeah, like, come on. <laughs> totally, and it's. Um, how would you say the networking and how has that involved um, helped you out in the industry? Because one of the things like even with this podcast people will ask well what's your roi on the podcast well it's 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 honestly it's a, a ror return on relationships mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting Good. relationships out of the, this mm-hmm. podcast how would you say um the the networking aspect of um women in hvacr has helped you in and versus just a local networking type type mm-hmm. of relationships mm. yeah interesting question the, it, it was definitely over time, not overnight Okay. because the relationships in the group go really deep. You know, we get to know each other and it's not salesy. Hey, I have this product. You have that product. Let's do something together. Mm-hmm. You know, we're women and, and we want to get to know each other and be relational. And so you get a lot of that, but over time I'm finding a lot of my new business partners, vendor relationships, business, business partners are coming out of that. And over time, as you really get to know what other women in the group do and ideas come and flow, um, some of these opportunities, again, over time are looking really, really, really good. And of course, we refer each other, you know, and so you can get leads and things that way. And job connection wise, if anybody's going through a job shift, I've seen a lot of women in the group leave a company, go to another company within the group. It's been really good for that. Uh, nope. If you're not an owner and, and you're just looking to continue to grow up in your career, it's a really good group for networking for that. Who was it? I just seen someone. Uh, I seen her at the event and she, and that was, and she was working through that transition. And uh, it was so funny because she was like, well, I'm not with them anymore. I'm over here with them. And I'm like, Oh, that's so awesome. But I mean, it was a, it was very cordial. And, and uh, the thing about once you've, built those super deep relationships it's Mm -hmm. really whenever they offer you a product they're not pitching something to you because it's Mm -hmm. truly like hey look i care deeply for you we have a deep relationship yes let's um i i have this product i wouldn't be offering it to you if i didn't believe that you could use it Um, Mm -hmm. because you have that deep relationship they're not going to hawk something on you that is snake oil because they have to they have to face you at the next board yeah. they have to face yeah. you at the next conference or whatever so yeah. i think that those types of um relationships are even though it's all over the country cuz you're i mean you're mm-hmm. 
what world worldwide? I mean, well, yeah, I mean, international, <laughs> a lot of us and Canada, but so you have to, I mean, you're all, you're all over the place, but you're still super connected. Um, mm-hmm. and you're su- and it's still b- with LinkedIn and Facebook and, and even with zoom, uh, you're able to still remotely connect. How often do y'all have a conference? Is it once a year where y'all actually get together everybody? our annual conference conference where we bring in keynote speakers and breakout sessions and things yeah. like that and have, you know, major networking events is once a year. It's in the fall. We also have at with AHR expo every spring or January, February, whenever they have it, mm-hmm. we have a networking event. That's usually very large. And like you said, we have a lot of educational sessions that we sponsor. Mm-hmm. So we have ways to get together. We also have meet and greets at Hardy every year, Oh, okay. Uh, oh, which is coming up in December. And so that's a, it's kind of like a half day conference show. And then throughout the year, when it makes sense, you know, we'll try to do regional meetups. Like, hey, we're going to meet over at this college. Anybody in, for example, Houston, Texas, that's in the group can come and get together. So we'll do regional meetups when we can. We do uh, quite a few different trade shows. Okay. So do you ever, um, is there ever a situation where, What's the best way to put this? So like if you have a young lady who wants to get into the trades, maybe more on the technical side where you have some sort of guidance, say, okay, so here's a, a typical career path or something. To that. I don't even know how that mm-hmm. plays out, but do you have anything that would kind of happen in that scenario? You know, really, Trish, what we need is a process. Hey, you're interested? Here is the process for how to do that. So now that you brought that up, we need to write it. Uh, well, our mentorship program does help, though. So our mentorship oh, okay. program, it's like Match.com, but it's free for members. So women in HVACR members can go on there and say, hey, you know what? I'm trying to grow in my career. I need a mentor. I want somebody who's done it, been there, can help you know me navigate along the way. And so you sign up. And you, you know, put your interest, what you're trying to do, your goals and your availability. And we match you on the back end through our algorithms uh, with a mentor. And, and we're always looking for more mentors and we're always looking for more mentees. We have over 100 in the program right now and it's an annual program. And so matching each other up, that helps us to help bring in whether you're new into the industry or maybe you're just trying to grow. That's one way that we help. Our scholarship program, we just awarded seven uh, young girls a $2,000 scholarship a piece oh, wow. for, for being in the trades. Uh, and they're currently in school. We just awarded those at our conference last week. So we definitely try with that. We have an ambassador program where we're trying to go into the schools and we have a curriculum to talk about the trades, to bring more people into the trades and to tell people about the opportunities available. You know, I, I think Trish, that that's a big problem for all of us, not just women. You know, everybody says, Oh, you know, there's a technician shortage or there's a hiring gap. You know, it's such a, well, what are you doing about it? I mean, can mm-hmm. we quit talking about it and just do something about it? Yep. So we created the ambassador program to say, let's just get into the schools and invite people. I mean, you got to tell them, Hey, the trades is a great option here come in and, and join us. People need to be invited. Yep. You know, my, my husband, he loves to get an invite and he's always like, nobody ever invites us to dinner. And you know, it's, it's a lost art. People don't invite people to do things. And same with coming into a new career path. If you said, Hey, the trades is a great place to be. Why don't you come in and join us? Oh, well I, I hadn't thought of it. I didn't know. Yeah. Whenever I came out of uh, high school, out of college, I had no idea about the trades. I was completely ignorant. My dad told me, um, hey, look, you know, his, his best friend, Jeff, he, he's an electrician, like you should do that. And I'm like, 
electrician like what does that mm. even entail and and it's kind of just kind of got a gears rolling and it was probably about a year later yeah maybe even a little less that i left what i was doing and wound up in hvac and from the time that my dad had the conversation about being in the trades and i just never had considered it i just always mm -hmm. knew i was going to be a mechanical engineer i just like mm -hmm. that was in school, that, that was always pushed towards, you know, go to Georgia Tech, go to college, you know, get your engineering degree. And, and who knew that I'd be in HVAC mm -hmm. and just lot, enjoying it a lot more. And it's, it's mm -hmm. not just turning wrenches with your hands. You know, you have the business side of it mm -hmm. also. So it's, it's really awesome. So let's, with that kind of, with that being said, we've been talking a lot about women in HVACR and we value that a lot. Um, Tell me a little bit about, as we kind of wrap up here a little bit, um, new flat rate. And I know that, I know that y'all offer a lot. It's not just menu pricing. It's not like, it's not just flat rate pricing. You offer more stuff than that. Um, what is it else that y'all offer with the new flat rate? New flat rate is our core product. It's the menu pricing system. So we help contractors to get their pricing. We do it for them so that they have a done for you pricing system to get out in the field with options. So customers buy more when you give them options. Mm -hmm. And of course, we never want to forget the shift that brought us here. So that is our main flagship product. But along the way, we learned that people needed training as well. And so we started going out on site. We do on site coaching. We go to different um, contractors all over the U.S. and Canada. We're in different locations every other week. We have trainers all over the U.S. and uh, going in there and whether we're training on process development, um, out in the field, craftsmanship, all sorts of things we offer in those. We do a lot of ride-alongs. And then also, Tersh, we have something called Freedom Builders University. And we haven't really promoted this to the public too much, but we're about to start because Freedom Builders University started because we uh, essentially stumbled upon becoming a process development company, mm. recognizing the need for processes in all small businesses, but especially the trades, because typically the trades are, you know, somebody that's entrepreneurial minded, maybe a technician that was in a truck. Hey, I've got, I've got a mind for business. I'm going to start my own business. And then they, they start growing their business and there's nothing natural about being a CEO. There's nothing natural about being a, an owner, a president, a manager, and you have to learn over time. So of course we all make a lot of mistakes along the way, don't we? It's difficult. Oh, yeah. And we found that people don't have processes. And if they do, they might say, this is the way we do it. Okay. Is it written up? Can you show me where that is? Well, no, of course it's not written up because who has a written process book in their company, right? <laughs> right. Especially if you're an entrepreneur and you started your business and, you know, you're just trying to make it, which is awesome. You know, it's so funny because like you, you'll, even if you, even, even when you're starting out, so maybe this isn't true for everybody, but I feel like this is the trend that I see most often is that you you know you need processes and procedures written down. Like everybody knows they need the process and procedure written down, even if they even if they don't understand like the best way to enforce the process and procedure, even if they know that there's a binder that maybe should be on a shelf somewhere with the process. If I'm not here tomorrow, you can pick up this binder. Yeah. But I feel like most everybody's like, well, we're too small. And then right. once we get bigger, I'll write it all down. Like mm -hmm. tomorrow, I'll write it all down. Tomorrow, mm -hmm. I'll do this. And then they're like, well, we, and then you have the other argument. We don't really have processes. Well, do you do 
the same thing. You do one thing the same way every time you do it. You have a process. Mm-hmm. You might not quote unquote call it a process, but it's a process. Like, do you answer the phone the same way? Do you an- you bring the doorbell the same way? Like, you have processes built in. Yeah. So you need to get them on a piece of paper. And you can tell when you have a conversation with somebody who is process driven because mm-hmm. like earlier you said we don't have that we need to create a new process like mm-hmm. instantly you had that like okay we're going to create a process and you can tell when somebody's process driven and and it's also i find that when you look at successful companies that like turn around quick that's like you like from 2011 2012 you had that that quick turnaround um as far as as revenue goes you're going to see somebody who's process driven and Mm -hmm. is repeatable and you can bring new people in as you scale, your processes are already there. Uh, And sometimes like, I like to warn people of this, like a lot of us see like the shiny object syndrome. Like we all have it as entrepreneurs. We want to scale. We want to scale. We want to scale, but see the, some of the companies that scale the fastest have taken the first five years to nail in those processes that have really honed the process. So whenever they start hiring four or five service experts a a month, you know, the process is already there and it's Mm -hmm. not like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, throw these service experts and then we're going to figure the processes out. So um, I think that that, that is amazing. The fact that you're going to go around and, you know, teach these people how to create the processes that are already up in their heads. I mean, the mm-hmm. processes are there. You're going to, mm-hmm. to put the pen to paper. Um, yeah. You got to get it out and get it down so that you can pass it on and delegate, Exactly. you know? And so with freedom builders university, that's what we do. We run we a lot of processes together. Uh, we've got a core group of, uh, members in there. We do a lot of masterminding and it's just a, a really cool program. That is really amazing. Um, how would you, so I, I kind of know the answer to this, but for the listeners, uh, one maybe process that you could kind of present to us about possibly hiring or something like that, what you would oh. do for onboarding. Hey, well, thank you for that. (laughs) What we've found, and I'm talking to a lot of contractors, you know, hey, we need technicians, we need technicians. Okay, well, where is the ad that you're going to post and who posts that ad? Right? That's a very simple process that needs to be written because if it's always the owner, well, then you're bogging yourself down, right? But if, hey, this is the ad and this person or it doesn't have to be somebody's name, this position, the person in this position in this seat, they post the ad and they follow up with the applicants. They do the pre-screening and they schedule the interviews with the owner. That right there is a process that can be written down and will save you tremendous amounts of time, right? Yeah, but yeah. how often do we know that we need to, to hire somebody and we don't want to? And Airtime 500 says that you know, the owner needs to be recruiting 33% of their time but none of us do it. Instead, we always want to be putting out fires. I need somebody today. And Tersh, here's a point I really want to drive home. If I need somebody today as an entrepreneur, what am I likely to do? Um, if I need somebody today, probably, probably tell, uh, maybe tell somebody that I needed them today or put out a hiring ad today, maybe. Right. Uh, and, and really, let me help clarify a little bit. What I'm going for is, as an entrepreneur, we're going to make an emotional decision and high uh, likelihood of hiring the wrong person. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to hire somebody who fogs a mirror. 
Totally you are. That's right. <laughs> because you want them to solve your pain today. And yeah. so because I saw this as a need, I was like, you know what? Too many people are hiring the wrong people because we have a pain point that we're trying to fix by just throwing somebody at it. I wrote up a seven, pa seven pages of processes. It's just a hiring pack. And I'd love to give it to anybody for free who is interested. And mm. it's like, hey, here's an example of a job ad. Here's a process for who's going to post it. Here's a process for what the interview needs to look like and how to interview. For example, one phone interview and two on-site videos or interviews. Never hire at the first interview because you're going to make an emotional decision. Yep. We, you know, me, people like us, maybe possibly you too. Oh, yeah. uh, we hire people that we like because we like people. We're like, oh, we like you. We're going to hire you. But a problem with that, and you know, stop me if I'm talking too long. No, you're when it comes to diversity and inclusion, profitability-wise for your business, if you diversify, your profitability is proven to go up. But sameness begets sameness. It's easy for us to hire people like us, people that we like. We're like, oh, they're going to get along well with us. But that doesn't mean their core DNA, if they get along well with us, that's probably not the person to do the task that you need them to do. Mm -hmm. And so we have these hiring processes so that we can interview multiple times. These are the questions. This is how you do it. This is what happens on the interview. And then here's the follow-up to make sure we don't make an emotional decision just to try to help get the right person in the right seat so we can scale our business. Yeah, I love that you said that and you brought that up because that's where I've made the biggest mistakes is hiring someone who is a yes man, quote unquote, right. yes man. And it's like, like, oh yeah, they're just like me. They like everything that I like. We're great. So, but the <laughs> problem is, is that uh, they, I'm hiring them to do a job that I'm not doing or I don't want to do. Like, that's right. You know, if they're exactly like me, they don't want to do it either. Their whole right. goal is to get out of that position. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely, and, and once I went to the, uh, the multiple interview um, just type process, it really brought to light like there were times whenever I finished the first interview and it was, all right, let's hire them. I mean, Julius Julia was like, let's hire them. They're good. Let's go. <laughs> and then you sit and ponder on it for a week or whatever. And then you're like, you know, they are good. They're better than a mirror fogger, but mm -hmm. they're definitely, they have some quirks about it. So like maybe if, even if I offer them the job, we need to offer them at, a little bit less of a rate and then they can prove to me that they're mm -hmm. worth what they are instead of the other day I would have just given them what exactly what they asked for yes they uh, interviewed and I love that and, and another thing that we we've tried doing we haven't done in the past since March is uh, we would have a, uh, a meal so we our very last interview it would be um, we would go out to eat together with their family if possible wow if and the biggest thing with that was to watch their interaction with the waiter and the waitresses and just the, the people who they would not benefit at all with the relationship. Right. So if they're going to treat the waiter or waiter waitress like crap, then we know, Hey, look to the people that don't, you know, there's mm -hmm. no benefit then they're not really, they're here to show us a, you know, a good time yes. and stuff, but not really their, their personality is kind of showing through. And then also how they interact with the family too, mm. You know we're real family driven here, mm -hmm. but that was that was always our last interview, and um, but we haven't been able to do that for the past little bit. But uh, we're going to try and get back on that as soon as. Great we're idea! Out. I've never heard anybody do that before. 
Yeah, I don't. I think I got that from Dave Ramsey actually, but uh, I remember listening to some podcast of his or something. But yeah, mm-hmm. whenever we we when we changed that up, we actually avoided hiring probably four or five people, and they're like. You took them to dinner and spent a hundred dollars on dinner and then didn't hire them. Like, yeah, yeah. Just watched the relationship, even the yeah. interaction they had with their kids, where it was just like, oof, like that. You know, yeah. During a stressful time, you kind of reacted really harshly, mm-hmm. and so we have stressful times in the air conditioning industry. Oh uh, man, but a hundred dollars for dinner is so much cheaper than hiring the wrong person, isn't it? It is so much, so much. <laughs> so, yeah, but cool. So how do we um, how do we get that uh, process that you have? What do we need to go? Well, just shoot me an email. Okay. Danielle at menupricing.com and request the seven page hiring pack that you heard on Tersh's podcast. Or you can text me at 949-400-6958. It's been really fun. I appreciate the the questions, the conversations. You know, love the trades. Love inviting more people into the trades. Uh, Totally. The more the merrier. There's room for them. We all need people. And um, let's just keep telling people to come come join us. Absolutely. Thank you again for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for anybody that's watching or listening, don't forget uh, Danielle at menupricing.com to reach out and learn more about Danielle uh, on all the social medias. We're, we're all over everything, both of us. Um, LinkedIn. Uh, also, don't forget to uh, connect with Women in HVACR and the new flat rate. Uh, with that being said, thank you again for watching or listening to this episode of the Service Business Mastery Podcast. It's a podcast focused on service business owners, managers, and technicians who are considering becoming business owners themselves. Until we talk again next week, have a wonderful week and be good. Mm-hmm.